and there are certain things that we must do in order to protect what we have and perhaps you're not sure if what you have is worth protecting today and I would say that's because you've probably not been taught how to get the most out of your walk with God Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1. We hope to remedy that today. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein and he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes John chapter 15 and verse 1 I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman We're going to preach this morning about protecting the vine. Protecting the vine. In Jesus' name, let's put our Bibles down and let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. God, I love you and I thank you for your word that is forever settled in heaven. I thank you for your people. I pray, God, that before the end of this service, we would have a fresh revelation of the importance of this most prized possession of salvation. God, that we would have a better understanding of things that we can do to protect our salvation and also to protect the salvation of others. God, we love you and we magnify your name we praise your name god and we give you glory we give you honor we give you praise today for you alone are worthy of our praise you alone are worthy of our worship god we don't want this to just be another service god we've not hit the cruise control we're not coasting in neutral down the hill toward the end of the year and God, with, a, with a, the mindset that we'll pick this back up in, in the, the first or second week of January. But God, we are ending this year strong. And God, I want this to be a, a, a continued year of revival and growth. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us today. God, I pray that you would help us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't you give God a hand clap of praise this morning? You can be seated. Protecting the vine. We find in the fifth chapter of Isaiah the words of previous chapters that have now been put to music. It is a song by the man of God dealing with Israel. There are also elements of this portion of Scripture that pertain to us today. 
We find in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 1, he says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved. Let me pause here and reiterate to you that you are the well-beloved. And if you would just get an understanding of that today, you would, in, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pastor this morning, okay? You'd enter into worship service a little bit different than you are right now. If you really understood what God thinks about you, you'd be able to carry yourself a little bit different. You'd be able to walk a little bit straighter with your shoulders a little bit more square than what they are. You are God's well-beloved. He said, and I'm going to sing a song to my well-beloved, a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. You and I are not part of something that is going under. We're not part of something that is going under. We are not part of something that is stale. We are not part of something that is dried up. We are not part of something that is infertile. We are not part of something that lacks the ability to reproduce. But we are part of a kingdom of God or the kingdom of God that has been planted in a very fruitful hill. Let me preach to you this morning. Let me preach to you this morning that you don't have to continue going through life just wondering when things are going to change. You don't have to just wander through life until the day that you die barely making it by. But I want to tell somebody this morning that you can live a life of fruitfulness. that God has designed his kingdom to be a place of fruitfulness, a place of reproduction, a place of life. And he cares so much about it that he said, I'm going to give with this vineyard the choicest vine. This is the best species of vine it is the choicest cultivar it is the best genus it is the best species it produces the best fruit it is marked by nobility this isn't some cheap knockoff this isn't something that you're going to find down at the dollar and a quarter store this isn't something that you find on thrift good Saturday it's not something you didn't buy this at half price day at goodwill honey This is something that is marked by so much nobility that Nordstrom can't even afford to carry it. I want to tell you today that you're not in a place of substandard life. I feel like preaching today that you've got to get an understanding that you've got access to the best that's ever been. I woke up today feeling good. I've been sick for a couple of days, but I feel like preaching today. I want to let you know that the God that you started serving has not changed. 
I want to let you know that the God that you found so much hope in has not slacked concerning his promise. I want to let you know today that it's still the best there ever was. He said, I got a place for my people. And I'm going to plant in that the choicest vine. I'm not preaching about the oneness of God today, but we could. I'm not going to plant some second rate, second place vine. But in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was light, and the light was the light of men. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, so on and so forth. The word was made flesh. I've given them the choicest vine. I'm planting it in the fruitful field. I want to tell you today that you can still come boldly before the throne of grace because you've got access to the best that there ever was. The best there ever was from everlasting to everlasting. That he doesn't just exist along the horizontal line of chronology, time. It just keeps ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking and ticking. He's not bound by 60 seconds in a minute and 60 minutes in an hour and 24 hours in a day. Seven days a week. He's not bound by calendar years but he inserts himself from the world that is above into the world that is below. And we begin to see a contrast between the darkness that is all that we have ever known and now we've seen a great light. Those that sat in darkness have seen a great light. And it's still the best there ever was. And allow me to preach very briefly this morning to those of you who might be under the sound of my voice, who might have doubts today, who might be asking questions, uh, questions that are very natural to ask. Uh, And I say that intentionally with pun intended, uh, that they are very natural to ask. Well, is this really the best life? Is this really the best that there is? Let me allow you the opportunity today to examine your natural question with a spiritual atmosphere and tell you, yes, living for God is the best there ever is. And if you've not experienced it that way, you need to dive in head first. You need to stop living on the edges. Just get your toes wet. And you need to dive in with everything you've got, honey. The reason you don't know that it's the best is because you've been living in the shallows. He 
said the vineyard that I've given is the best there's ever been. So potent is its power, so, so immense is his kingdom that it would cause career fishermen to lay down their nets, to walk away from their businesses and say, I'm going to be a fisher of men. I'm leaving father and mother. I'm leaving Zebedee and my mama. I'm, go- I'm leaving my business partners. In fact, my business partners are going to come with me. We're walking away from the commercial fishing trade and we're going to follow after a man that, that, that has provided something that is far greater than what we ever experience on our best day I come to let somebody know if you'll live for God hard it'll be easy What are you trying to do, Pastor? I'm trying to turn up the heat in here. That's what I'm trying to do. Because why? Because we got to thaw some things out. We got to let some understanding seep in. Oh, he planted the choicest vine. It is the best species, producing the best fruit. Honey, you're the best. Let me pause here and tell you that God's hand is upon you. That God wants to use you for his kingdom. But you got to dive in with everything that you've got. you got to make up your mind. I'm living for God come hell or high water. I'm, living, I'm not going backward anymore. I'm tired of stumbling over the same junk. I'm tired of stumbling over the same mess. I'm going to protect what God has put into me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord is still the best. But don't stop there. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all. You want to experience the best that God has for you? Give him all. You'll see windows in heaven open. You'll see portals of heaven open. You'll experience the depths broken up like you've never believed. It's gonna, the Spirit of God's going to pour out on you from the top and from the bottom. It's going to swirl around you like a tumultuous storm. But it's a storm of goodness. It's a storm of greatness. It's a storm of blessing. It's a storm of salvation. The deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spout. Wave upon wave upon wave. I come to preach to somebody today. God wants to show you his wonders. But he can't show you his wonders of the deep if you remain content sitting on the beach. This is the best there is. Yes, it is. I'm not, and I'm not saying that to try to pacify you, saying, well, you, you've made it. No, I'm telling you that he that is born again of the water and of the spirit has the opportunity to, to see beyond the open door of the kingdom. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost are not the end, Brother Ashton. That's the beginning. That gets me into the door. That gets me into the door of the kingdom, Brother Chris, when all of a sudden now I can look around and every time I open the word of God, it's new mysteries being explained to me. It's it's beauty of the kingdom that I was not able to understand before, but now I can see it in its glory and I can begin to explore the height, the depth, the breadth of the kingdom of God. I want to let somebody know today, this is the choicest vine. I'm thankful to be part of his vineyard. 
We preached about it months ago. Go back and listen to it. It was on a Wednesday night. There were things that he did. We'll get there in a minute. I'm not re-preaching that message this morning. This is the choicest vine. God, what's the greatest commandment? They asked Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all and heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every part of your being. If you'll love him with everything that you've got. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because the fact of the matter is, if I'm in the kingdom, it's a kingdom of life. And my loving God with everything that I am is going to make me love my neighbor. It's going to allow me to love my neighbor. It's going to allow me to love those that are around me. It's going to allow me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. John chapter 15 and verse 1, he said, I am the true vine. This is the last I am pronouncement of the book of John. In the Old Testament, the Israelites referred, uh, were referred to as the vine planted by Jehovah who was the husbandman. And Israel was the corporate vine, but Jesus is the individual vine. It is the individual vine that does what the corporate vine could not do. And he says Jehovah is the planter. And through the humanity of Jesus Christ as the vine, he plants a people. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you'll abide in the vine, then you're going to remain in me. And you're going to be fruitful. And if you don't remain fruitful, you're going to be cut off from the vine. Because this is a kingdom of life. And if you're going to belong to me, you're going to be a a, a lively people. John chapter 14 and verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you today that Jesus said, I've dwelt with you, but I'm going to be in you. And the vine is going to be inside of you. It is the Spirit of truth that gets you into the vineyard. And it's the Spirit of truth that gives you the opportunity to grow in the vineyard. It's the spirit of truth that leads you into all truth. But you have to want to be led into all truth. I'm going to say that again with a little bit more conviction. I can't lead you where you don't want to go. God can't lead you where you don't want to go. It's not just going to happen on its own. I want to let somebody know today that you've got access to the best that's ever been. Colossians 1, verse 27. I'm going to preach as long as my voice will let me. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. The riches. 
Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope of an eternal life spent in heaven is Christ in you. If you abide in me and my logos abides in you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Regarding the vineyard described in Isaiah, he puts a tower in the middle of it. Proverbs 18.10 tells us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. We receive his name in baptism and are safe. The third thing we know about this vineyard is that he puts a wine press therein. Acts chapter 2 and verse 13, others mocking said these men are full of new wine. The wine press was in the vineyard, so when there was a harvest, they didn't need to go elsewhere. They had a place to process the fruit of the vine that was close at hand. And whatever our needs may be, they can be met by having a deep encounter with God and receiving a spiritual grasp of the kingdom of God. I just want to let somebody know today, it doesn't matter what you walked in these doors with today, you can have a deep spiritual encounter with God. Well, Pastor, it feels like I'm going crazy. It feels like my life's falling apart. You need to have a deep spiritual encounter with God. That's exactly what you need because it's in that moment that he can make the crooked places straight. It's in that moment where the comforter is within you. It starts bubbling out and all of a sudden the answers start to happen all on its own. Like I'm telling you that everything that you need is found in the fruitful hill of the vineyard. This new wine that we've received as the Spirit of God dwells within us. So when I tap into the Spirit of God in prayer and I allow God to flow through me, there really are rivers. Not of stagnant water. Not of parasitic water. Of living water that usher out from within, from the heavens, through me, rivers of living water that flow with fresh water from the everlasting, from the eternal. And as great and as necessary as all of those things are, the first thing that God did was not to plant the vine. The first thing he did was not to build a tower. The first thing he did was not to build a wine press. The first thing he did was to fence it. That's good. Pastor, why do we have standards of holiness? Because the fence matters. It's the small foxes that spoil the vine. So, well, Pastor, it feels confining. It feels it's not confining. Don't don't allow yourself to think carnally. The first thing he does is fence it. It's not to keep the vine in. It's to keep the enemy out. Believe it or not, we're not even preaching today about the fence. 
But he did fence it for two main reasons. He fenced it as a defensive measure. Was he afraid the vineyard would run off? No. Was he afraid the grapes would roll away? No. But he fenced it as a defense to keep the enemy away. To keep the varmints out. But he also fenced it to declare his ownership. He fenced it to let the world know that this vineyard is mine. I own this vineyard. I paid the price for this vineyard. This is mine. And you can't have it. And if I go without the fence, that the health and the wellness of the vine will be compromised more easily. And so we put safeguards in place. And there are some safeguards that are outlined specifically uh, and explicitly in the word of God. And there are other safeguards that Moses, the man of God, has to come in and mark where the mountain starts. There are some things that I preach that the Bible does not say explicitly. But for this vineyard, for this field, for this part of the body, that's what we believe. That's where we stand. Those are the lines that we believe. Those are the lines that we have drawn. Am I saying that others who don't draw those same lines won't make it to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am telling you that I will not make it to heaven if I forsake the lines that God has given to me. For he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not for him, it is sin. When I received that revelation, it became a heaven or hell issue for me. It became a heaven or hell issue for me. Because when I saw it, God was saying, listen, fishy, I want you to come a little closer. I, I want you to come a little closer. I want you to experience a little bit more of me than you are. And for you, that means you got to lay that down. He fenced it to declare his ownership. The health and the wellness of the vine are vitally important. And that brings us to the point that I want to preach today. Your health and your vitality are mightily important to God. So, you begin studying the vine. You begin looking at Professional vine growers. I really even hate to bring this up, but professional vine growers are found a lot in France. Everybody say, Lord, help the French. I thank God for America. I'm being silly. You'll find the Frenchman experienced an issue with their vineyards. They, it came in the first week of April, the year 2021, all over France. They had been experiencing sunny weather and summer-like temperatures at the end of March. 
which made the buds on the grapevines do what they call bursting. They showed up. They came out. And to you and I that are not professional husbandmen or vine dressers, we might think, oh man, that's great. That means they're going to have a a bumper crop and their business is going to boom. But what actually happened is that unfortunately severe frosts began occurring on April 6th, 7th, and 8th with temperatures below. I've already converted it from zero degrees Celsius to 32 degrees freedom height. Frost. Severe frost began to plague the vineyards to the point that up to 95% of their buds and vines were destroyed. It was the absence of the harsh winter that became synonymous with a return of the cold in April and early May when the plants had already woken up. And so, the vineyard owners, after experiencing this this tragedy for their businesses, began to look for alternatives. How can we keep this from happening again? And they began to research, and they began to brainstorm, and some of the most ingenuitive people in the world are farmers. And they began to develop techniques that would allow wine growers to cope with frost and limit the damage to their vines. I came across a picture this past week that that boggled my mind. And I began to research and I began to look it up to make sure it just wasn't some fancy ploy to uh, make sure it wasn't clickbait, really. And it wasn't. One of, the, one of the techniques that they developed, now you're going to laugh because pop culture has taken this word and, and made it something that it was not originally intended to be. The vine dressers began to light what are called bougies. Bougies are real things. They're cylindrical candles, lamps, And there are pictures that you can find on the internet at night where they use two to three hundred of these lanterns and they place them every six to ten feet throughout their vineyard and they light them every night and they pour oil in these lamps every night. They stay up most of the night tending to these lamps. And you would think, why? What, what in the world wouldn't matter? How could that do anything? And, and it cost them anywhere from $2,700 to $3,200 in lamps and oil and labor just to make sure for a few days that the frost doesn't come in and destroy the fruit of the vineyard. And the vine dressers proclaim that If we can change the temperature one degree 
as little, I'm going to preach here in a minute, as little as one degree can make the difference between life and death. One degree. So when you come in those back doors of this sanctuary during worship service and we're telling you to lift your hands and we're pumping you to worship God and we're asking you to get involved. It's not because it's not because I'm some control freak and have, I'm telling you I want you to make it and if I can get the temperature change one degree can mean life or death when you walk in the dark if you'll lift your hands and you'll lift your voice and you'll get out of your carnal stupor and you'll get in the spirit of God one degree can make all the difference in the world a minimum of 200 candles per I already did the math, 2.471 acres. The colder it gets, the more candles you'll need. Up to four or 500. Everything was going so good, Brother Ezekiel. Everything's felt, man, the harvest is going to come early. Look at that, the buds popped. Oh, thank God. And you come to church, and you're like, man, I haven't felt this good for so long, and here comes life. That's Slapping you up one side and down the other. Amen. Sending you reeling, and now all of a sudden, you don't know which way is up, and you don't understand how it's going to work out, and this and that. And it's getting real cold, and you thought that it was all going to change, and you thought that your life was going to happen, uh, that, that things were going to happen in your life so much better now. But now that it's cold, you're on the very verge of dying. And I'm going to tell you, some of us might get away with 200 candles per, per hectare or uh, 2.471 acres. But there are others of us that need to double it. There's others of us that need to triple it. There's others of us that say, you know what? I've been cold for far too long. I got to get this thing thawed out. And I got to get it thawed out quick. There are other methods. They irrigate. Irrigate? When it's cold? Yeah. They let the water flow over that field. It doesn't make sense, Pastor. It covers it in ice, and the ice provides insulation. They take straw bales and they line the field with wet straw. They light the straw on fire and they cover the field in a smoke screen because the smoke from the fire drives away the clouds that would bring the frost. If that's not Old Testament imagery. A pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by the day. And Pharaoh's breathing down the back of their neck and they're coming out of Egypt, Brother Pinkerton, and, they, and everything seems to be going so good. But Moses, you brought us out here to die. What do you need? I need a smoke screen right now. That's what I need. 
I need the glory of God to fall in a thick cloud to cover me. That's what I need. I need the rain from heaven, the former rain and the latter rain to be sprinkled on my field. I need it to cover me. I need it to protect me from the cold. I'm preaching today. What you've got is worth protecting. But pastor, it's going to take some work. You better bet your biscuits it's going to take some work. But it's worth the work to protect what you've got. This is the best there's ever been. They spend 25,000 euros at a minimum. That's 27,000 US dollars. Up to 43,000 euros or 47,000 United States dollars to install massive fans will blow the frost off. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it sat upon them cloven tongues like as a fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Musicians can come. They hire helicopter pilots. Two hundred and fifty to three hundred euros per minute, or not per minute, per hour, and they hover over the field, letting the wind from the helicopter blades bring the warmer air that's above the vineyard, forcing it downward where the cold air has settled. What you have is worth any expense. And what you do in your vineyard does not just affect you. The owner of the vineyard understands that the entire industry, I know it's the wine industry, but the entire industry is counting on what happens in that vineyard. From the, the barrel makers the bottle makers, truck drivers, cork makers, all the way down. It's said that every one of our decisions affects at least 100 people. Really? So me going to Walmart, buying a gallon of milk affects 100 people? Well, I drove to Walmart in a vehicle. I don't know how many hands were on the vehicle that I drove, but I needed a vehicle to get to Walmart. So, well, you don't need a vehicle to get to Walmart. Okay, you rode a bicycle. How many hands touched the bicycle? I didn't ride a bike, I walked. How many hands touched your shoes? How many hands touched the socks that you were wearing? I wasn't wearing no socks. How many 
How many hands touched the fingernail clippers to clip your nasty toenails? <laughs> you walked into Walmart. How many people built that building? You drove into a parking lot with asphalt, probably some painted stripes. That all had to be paid for. You grabbed a cart, maybe. Walked by the kid that was sleeping when he was supposed to be cleaning windows. You're paying for him to take a nap. You walked back to the dairy section and you opened up a cooler door. How many people did it take to install that cooler? How many people did it take to build that cooler, that refrigeration system? You reached in and you grabbed that gallon of milk. You grabbed the plastic jug before you ever drank the milk. How many people did it take to, to make and manufacture that plastic jug? How many farmers were responsible for the cow that gave the milk? The pasteurizing equipment, the trucks that drove the milk to the, the factory, so on and so forth. So you're starting to get the picture. Everything that you do is a lot more about other people, really, than it is about yourself. We live in a great big world. Right. And I, let me just pause here and tell you that the, the, the point of what we're preaching today is everything you do in the kingdom of God matters. And what you've got is worth protecting. And I know that life comes and life happens and, and things get cold and, and the buds get frost on them. But I'm telling you, it's worth the candles in the field. It's worth the irrigation system. It's worth the helicopters. It's worth the smoke screen. It's worth the fans. It's worth all of that to make sure that there's a harvest, to make sure that your vine is still the choicest vine, that there's fruit on your vine. I wonder today if we would stand all over this sanctuary. I'm preaching, and I'm reaching for somebody that's got some frost on the buds. And I'm telling you, it's time to let it thaw out. It's time to crank up the heat a little bit. It's time to light the fire again. It's time to tend the lamps. It's time. It's it's time, it's time, it's time to thaw out.